0: Good to be here today. I'm really, really excited about um, this message that I'm gonna share with you. Uh, it's been a message that's been on my heart for a, a while, and as uh, Brandon and Mike and I, and the elders prayed about about this month, because as you know, um, Dan is in England this month in Bath, and um, each of us had words on our heart, and Mike had a word on his heart that was faith, And he shared last week about the king who is coming. Remember they carried Simon on their shoulders on the chair. Simon, that was exciting, thank you. Um, And then Brandon said he was gonna share on the Holy Spirit. So next week, Brandon's going to be sharing on the power that comes to us when we receive the Holy Spirit in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the word that I had on my heart um, was the word endurance. And you may or may not know, but throughout the New Testament, faith comes with endurance. And so we receive power and we receive faith by the grace of God. But most of all, we're called to endure in that faith, in that grace, and in that power that we receive. And so I'm going to talk today about being a soldier and I was actually I was a soldier for six years. I was in um, the U.S. Army, and after high school at 18, I left home. Um, I went to boot camp. It was very scary. I was not athletic. I was a brainy kid with very talented siblings who all got full rides to college. And so my strategy was I'll go into the military, I can do the, the brain stuff, I'm sure I can outsmart um, all of the physical things, I'll be fine and then I'll, I'll get my university paid for. So it seems like a very risky tact to take, um, but I did. So I went into the military and, um, and it was a season where I learned how to endure, right? We do cardio so we can build up our stamina so that we can be strong and we can go into any situation and we know that we will have the strength and the energy to accomplish the mission. And so we started off this year looking at Daniel 11.32 and we probably have this memorized at this point. The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And the doing the exploits part is the th- part that's fun for me, because this is what soldiers want to do. Soldiers want to do exploits, and they want to be awarded for their exploits. But do you know that soldiers are not awarded for exploits in training? The only way that you get rewarded for great exploits is by going to war. There is no exploit that is done in your day-to-day PT or physical training. The exploits come when battle arrives. That's where exploits happen. And I had this situation about two months ago. Um, I, had, uh, I launched the center at, at Wheaton, and it was uh, a culmination of a lot of things that I am. It's at the center of faith. And the center of business, it's an academic center, so it's all about research. And uh, we, are, we were in the process of gathering leaders to pray and pursue and think about God and say, God, what do you have for us in this next generation as we serve you in the marketplace? And in that space, all of a sudden, one day, one of our members came to me and said, um, somebody just shopped this center to me. And he's an executive, he's a donor, and he said, I just received this this brochure. Um, Let me send it to you. It seems like it's really close to the space that you're in. And he sends me the brochure, and sure enough, I open it, and it is exactly my center. Down to the research we're looking at, to all of the activities that we're launching, to the asks, to the community, to the scriptures that they're using— And I sat in my camp, I guess, in my foxhole, because it feels like sometimes we're in a foxhole. And it felt like the enemy had launched a grenade in that foxhole. And I was shocked and amazed and frustrated and angry. Um, Josh and Sarah were over that day, so they got to see all that God has done in my life and maturing me as I responded (laughs) to that email. And God said, pick it up. Pick up that grenade. And so that night, as I prayed about it, I picked up the grenade, spiritually. And I said, all right, God, what are you going to do with this? I said, well, what did I call you to? Are your eyes on me? Or your eyes on your own dreams? Because Peter, when he stepped out of the boat into the waves, his dream might have been to do amazing exploits. But what mattered wasn't that he walked on water, What mattered was where his eyes were fixed. I said, okay, God. (laughs) My dreams aren't as big as the knowledge that you've had throughout eternity. And my plans aren't as amazing as the purposes of the kingdom of heaven. So I don't know what this means, but this grenade, this grenade must be a reminder that I should fix my eyes on you. So I went back to work doing damage control and all the things that you do when you feel attacked. I didn't sit and do nothing. And I met that week with our provost, who's the president of faculty at a university, and she said, I've dealt with the situation. The language is yours. You own all the language in the space of faith and business and marketplace. And anything that we do as a university in the future that you have yet to dream of is yours. And I had been in a foxhole, imagining and picturing and peeking up every once in a while to look at the field in front of me. And when I picked up that grenade and fixed my eyes on Jesus, I didn't get a field. It was like the grenade was launched back into the enemy's territory, the pin came off, and he blew them out of competition. And so the part that comes after Daniel eleven thirty two 32 that we don't always look at because <laughs> we like to read verses sometimes just the one verse at a time. In Daniel eleven thirty two, 32 it says the wise among the people shall give understanding to many. For some days however they shall fall by sword and flame and suffer captivity and plunder. Exploits come at the cost of great courage and bravery. And I love this. This is a call today to say, where are your eyes fixed? We all have hope. God has spoken amazing things to all of us. But are we focused on the dream? Or are we focused on the author and perfecter of the faith we have been given? Because if we're focused on the author and perfecter of our faith, this is how we do great exploits. In Romans, Paul wrote to the church in Rome, in Romans 5, and he said to them, Therefore, since you have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith— into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 300 years after Daniel penned those words, knowing that wise men were going to suffer, Until all of eternity was fulfilled in Jesus' coming, his death, his resurrection, and his return, Daniel knew wise men will suffer in this broken world. And when Paul wrote to the church in Rome, he knew that the brave could only do great exploits in battle, and in battle you suffer. But the most amazing thing about this suffering is we don't go into it already perfect. Because the suffering, that's what helps us endure. And the enduring, that's what gives us character. Not that we were called perfect, but we're called being perfected by the one who is perfect. You're called today, and you don't have to be perfect to step out in bravery. You don't have to have all of the skills to do the exploits. You just have to endure in your focus on Jesus. And Paul was preaching to a church in a time right after Jesus' death and resurrection. And a lot of things happened in those years right after Jesus died and rose and ascended to heaven. The temple in Jerusalem fell. The temple that had been rebuilt in Nehemiah's days and during the days of Ezra was torn down. Herod's temple was ripped to pieces and the stones were scattered throughout Jerusalem and throughout Israel. And Jerusalem had no place of worship. But Jesus had told them that they would worship in spirit and in truth. And it was a turning point for the church. But it was a different place than they'd ever been in history. And there was a sermon that was circulating in Paul's day. And I think Paul had read this sermon. It was the greatest sermon of the early church. It might have been written in 60 or 100 AD, but this sermon was written from Rome, from Italy, to the church we don't know where. And this entire sermon was about faith, And endurance and this sermon is the book of Hebrews and it was a book that said the Old Testament still matters the promises of God still hold true Jesus has come and he is the Melchizedek he is the high priest he has fulfilled it all fix your eyes on him and endure And so we see in the book of Hebrews, throughout the book, there are these calls to faith and calls to endurance. And even though the author is unknown, they knew the Old Testament. And they spoke to a Hebrew community that read the Old Testament in Greek. They had a a book called the Septuagint that was the Old Testament in Greek, and they were struggling to persevere. And so, as we look at the book of Hebrews, it defines for us what is that faith that we're persevering in. And the author of Hebrews says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. What are you fixing your eyes on? Are you fixing your eyes on the things that you can imagine and the things that you can dream? Or are you fixing your eyes on the horizon, on Jesus who is returning, that king when we stand on the gates and we say, he's coming, he's coming. What battles are you fighting? He's coming. And throughout the book of Hebrews, the author comes back to this point over and over. In Hebrews 3, 6, 12 through 14, it says Christ is faithful as son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and hope in which we glory. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encouraging one another daily, as long as it is called today. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness, we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. And in Hebrews 4, the sermon turns again to saying, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard, it was of no value to them because they did not share in the faith of those who obeyed. Now we have entered, we have believed, we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. Therefore since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. And then in Hebrews 10, the author turns again to the faith that we are enduring in, and he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as we see that king approaching so do not throw away your confidence it will be richly rewarded you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God you will receive what he has promised you For in just a little while he is coming and will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we turn to the 12th chapter of Hebrews. This was a sermon that would have been spoken in the streets throughout Rome. It was probably sent to Jerusalem to encourage those who had lost their temple, who were lost in how to worship, who felt battered. Some were broken. Some were sawn in half. They were discouraged, and they were fighting for something they couldn't see. And in this passage, we are encouraged as the church, coming out of Hebrews 11, where he talks about the great hall of faith. All of the people that went before us, the great cloud of witnesses, they weren't perfect, but they persevered into character. And so, as the sermon comes to an end, Whoever it was that penned the words, maybe stood up at a pulpit and said, therefore, close your eyes if it helps you to listen because I don't have the words for this part because they wouldn't have read it. They would have heard it spoken over them out loud. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, Scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary, so that you will not lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood, and have you completely forgotten? this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father, addresses his son, it says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure, endure. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his own children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. Not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we all have had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a short while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No, no discipline. Discipline doesn't seem pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees and make level the paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed amen you may sit down when you think about this call we think about the challenges that we have in front of us today we think about the life of a soldier whose exploits can only be proven in battle, can only be proven in war. And we see in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, that the preacher starts, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw it all off, all the things that hold us back, all the things that entangled us, and let us fix Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Who was this great cloud of witnesses who by faith pleased God? And there's a whole list in the chapter before. They're reminded of all of the stories of the Old Testament, of Abel who brought a better offering, of Enoch whose greatest exploit was being taken, He had to go in a golden flaming chariot straight up to heaven. Noah, who built an ark to protect his family and all the animals in the world from the rain he'd never seen. Abraham obeyed and went to lands he'd never seen. Sarah bore children in her 90s waiting for years and years for a dream but she fixed her eyes on God. Isaac blessed his children even though we know he couldn't see because he was fooled by a hairy arm that was faked by his son. Jacob then went on and blessed his children by faith. Joseph instructed people what to do with his bones when he was dead. Can you imagine being so faithful and so loved that you had to have instructions for your bones? Uh, It was a pretty amazing thing. Moses, his parents hid him by faith. And then he chose to be mistreated. He left royalty behind and he kept the Passover for something he had never seen, he had just heard about, that the people of God would be set apart, that they were special, that there was a promise for these people that were now slaves in Egypt. And this people, by faith, passed through the sea as if on dry land— And that sea closed up and washed all of their enemies away. Talk about a grenade hitting the enemy's camp harder than it hits yours. And by faith, as they marched around Jericho, walls fell. And by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, talk about character coming after faith and perseverance. (laughs) She welcomed spies. And there's no time for, there's no time, the sermon preacher said which is pretty funny because he was in verse 11, chapter 11 by then. And can you imagine if I'd read you the entire book of Hebrews? He's about an hour into the sermon at least. He says there's no time. There's no time to talk about Gideon or Barak or Samson or Jephthah. Go read the story of Jephthah if you want proof that you have to have faith and then perseverance and then character. He's got a crazy story. And then David and Samuel and the prophets, there's no time. There's no time to talk about all of them. But but the, the the preacher called us. He called the people in Jerusalem, the Hebrews, he called them to run. Like all of these people who ran before them, this great cloud of witnesses who's cheering them on and cheering us on today. Saying, "We ran. We ran." Are you going to run? Are you going to persevere? Where are you fixing your eyes? Where are you going to fix your eyes? Because we learn in Enoch's story that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because when we show up, anybody who comes before God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. But the reward, my friends, the reward isn't our dreams coming true. Let us not confuse the American dream with the kingdom of heaven. The reward isn't getting our own. The reward is Jesus. The reward is that someday we will stand before him who we've never seen with our own eyes and he will know us and we will know him. So let's earnestly, earnestly seek him. Because all these people in Hebrews 11 were commended for their faith. His words of commendation, that will be our reward. Yet none of them received what they were promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Friends, if we endure, He will produce in us character. And as we're made perfect in His perfection, we get hope. We get hope. We get hope. And hope isn't desire. Hope isn't wishful thinking. Hope is a plumb line that is anchored to the heart of Jesus. It is a binoculars that keep our eyes from looking to the left or the right and say, only on you, only on you, hope will hold me. And then in this sermon, he brings us encouragement. Because we know we have to endure. We run in this race. You run as a soldier to build your stamina. And do you know that at the entire time I was in the army, all six years, I never ran alone. I hate running. I never would run alone, but I never ran alone. We run in formation. We would line up at the early, early hours of the day when it was still dark outside. And we would stand together, and we would march together, and we would run together. And when he calls us this great sermon of the early church, when this preacher called us to run this race, he wasn't saying, run alone. He was saying, run, and it's gonna hurt. Run, and you're gonna suffer. Run, and battle will come. But in every single one of those passages where he says, have faith, endure in this faith, he says, encourage one another. There is never a time that he tells us to endure without each other. He doesn't tell us to run alone. He doesn't tell us to go alone. He doesn't tell us in our independent culture where we say the greatest feat of maturity is independence. He calls us to a totally different culture that says the greatest feat of maturity in the kingdom of heaven is co-dependence. I am dependent on you because I will trip and there will be grenades that come into my camp. But if you're there, I'll know when they fall. If you're there, you'll pick me up when I trip. So make every effort, he said, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy because without no holiness no one will see the Lord. So see to it that no one falls short, that no one wearies and doesn't quite make it to the finish line of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. If we wanna to run together, let's forgive each other. I was always the short person at the front of the formation and everybody else had to run off of my pace. Can I tell you that's a really awful way to start your day doing something you hate with a bunch of tall people in the back that are way more fit than you running at your pace? Sometimes you cuss the person at the front of your formation. <laughs> I mean, they weren't Christians, so we, we wouldn't really do that, right? But this is what he's called us to, to run together different paces to find a rhythm that we can approach the kingdom of heaven together. Because it says in Revelation that he's not coming back for me. He's not coming back for you. He's coming back for us in unity. And we're gonna have to really, really, really fight for that. The world's not gonna hand us that. The world tells you you need to be special in your own right. But if we all fix our eyes on Jesus, we are. Because he looks back at us and he individually loves each of you so much. And his love can't be spent. There's no scarcity in heaven. There's enough for all of us. We run the race for and with others. We see this in Hebrews 11. That Moses' parents hit him. Moses couldn't hide himself when he went into the basket. He probably wasn't walking yet. He needed somebody else to hide him. So that he could run the race God had for him. He chose to be mistreated on the behalf of his people. He left royalty in Pharaoh's house on behalf of somebody else. He kept the Passover as a community and he began a culture that was all about standing together because they couldn't save themselves. They could only be saved by the author and perfecter of faith. The first lamb, Well, maybe not the first lamb in the Bible, but one of the first lambs in Hebrew tradition was the Passover lamb that they slayed, representing the Passover lamb that was coming, the perfecter of our faith. And the people, not just Moses, the whole people passed through the sea as if on dry land. And all the people marched around Jericho, even the ones that weren't musically talented like me. They had the musically talented ones too, so they could play the trumpets and beat the drums on the third day, but they all marched. They all played a part when the walls fell. So how do we do this? Well, it says in Hebrews 3, in Hebrews 4, and in Hebrews 10 that we do it by encouraging one another daily, so long as it's called today, so that none of us get hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We're not at battle with each other. We're not even at battle with non-Christians. We're at battle with an enemy who is alive and real and waiting. (laughs) And he only tells you lies and he only accuses you. So we don't get to accuse each other because there's only one accuser of the brethren and we better not partner with him. Let's not be hardened by his lies and deceitfulness. Since the promise of entering God's rest stands, let's be careful that none of us fall short of it. Let's consider how we can spur each other on towards the love and good deeds. What if it said, how do we spur each other on towards love and great exploits? Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So what do we do As a community, well, we see to it that no one falls short. Because in Hebrews 11, it says they were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them had received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So as we're being sanctified, we've all been justified. As we're being perfected in our journey towards Jesus, a day of perfection is going to come and we will all be there together. So then we get to the middle part. I'm not going to leave the middle part of Romans 12, 1 through 14 out. My favorite part the part that I probably would have skipped over 10 years ago, even having been a soldier. And this is running that race in discipleship. Now, I know the word there is actually discipline, but when we read discipline, do you know what I read? I read punishment. That's what I think of. I think discipline is spankings and groundings and timeouts. Do you know that's not what that, that Greek word is? That Greek word is something much, much more endearing than punishment because Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, was already punished for us. No, this word actually means training. It means chastisement, but chastisement isn't even a punishment. It's encouragement to become who we are and not who the devil might be telling us we are. So it says in Hebrews 12, 4 through 7, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood like our author and perfecter did. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement? So this is supposed to be encouraging, guys. It's not about spankings. That addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart. When he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son endure hardship as discipline because God is treating you as his children we need to move out of a concept of this life that we know joy only by being given great things that are lovely and delightful and he's going to give us plenty of those But how much do we pray away the hard things that God hands us, that he tells us to walk through? And do you know that boot camp wouldn't be boot camp if it wasn't hard every day? Because when you endure, when you get up and you run, when you train hours after hours, when you um, do push-ups all day long and you shoot at targets that are moving far away and you don't sleep and you are out in the field and you're exhausted, there's going to be a day when you're in battle. And the enemy is going to be coming for you and you will not grow weary because your father who loves you says you are strong enough to face this enemy. And I don't know who your enemy is today. It could be sickness. It could be uh, financial challenges. It could be death of family members. It could be um, job challenges. Whatever battle it is that you're fighting, he says you're strong enough you can endure and you can fix your eyes on me because this storm will pass. And if you want to walk on water, fix your eyes on him. So we look at this great cloud of witnesses that the preacher set up in chapter 11. And he said, I do not have time to tell you about all the who's-its who through faith conquered kingdoms. Sounds good. Administer justice. All right, we love justice. We're very justice-oriented in our superhero phases of uh, Hollywood. They gained what is promised. Yes! I want all the promises. Who shut the mouths of lions. Awesome. Quenched the fury of flames. Sounds pretty good. Who escaped the edge of the sword. Whose weakness was turned to strength. Who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies amazing women who received their dead raised to life again. But there were many others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they may gain an even better resurrection. But some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sought in two. They were killed by the sword. They went in sh- about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated, and the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. <laughs> but they were commended for their faith, even though none of them received what they had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together they would be made perfect. We're so lucky. We're so lucky we live in America. In the last two years, as I've traveled the world, I've met people who have been beaten. I've met people who are in poverty because of their choice to be Christians. I've met people whose family members have been imprisoned. I've met people who have been tortured, maybe even sawn in two. It might have been talked about in Daniel's day. And they might have experienced it in the early church. But do you know the church is still facing these challenges today? And man, I'm so grateful that I was born here. And my biggest challenges aren't floggings and torture and imprisonment. But our challenges are still real and the church, in its great wealth in Rome and in Jerusalem and in Daniel's day, and their, 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 their uh, prosperity, and the great treasures that God had bestowed on them, they still didn't endure. They grew complacent. So, whether we're being flogged or thrown in prison or sawn in two, or whether we are rerouting foreign armies, we are called to endure to fix our eyes on Jesus, not to look to the left or to the right, whether it's in fear or in complacency, but to say we are called to run this race. When we turn to Daniel eleven thirty-two, 32, we can see that the church has faced these battles for thousands of years now. That the people that know their God will stand firm. They will endure and they will do great exploits. And the wise will give understanding to many. However, they will fall by sword and flame. They will suffer captivity and plunder. So my call today, my call today to all of you is to run this race in discipleship. Because the Lord disciplines, he disciples the ones he loves. And he loves you. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. And you are his sons and daughters. If you have asked him to come into your heart by that gift of grace, by that gift of faith, he is treating you as his children. So endure the hardships because they will produce character. And character will produce hope that we never give up on watching for that great king who is coming. Because he is coming. So Hebrews eleven thirty nine 39 through 40 says, oh wait, not yet. We'll go back to Romans 5. <laughs> um, Romans 5 says, And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So when we turn back to Hebrews 11, 39 through 40, we see that they were all commended for their faith. And none of them had received what they were promised because God had planned something better for us that only together with us would they be made perfect. And so from the moment we stood and started singing today, every song that we sang was about the battles that he was fighting for us, about the new wineskins, about being stretched and tested and sometimes broken to press on towards something better. Because it produces in us that character that helps us to continue to endure. And so just like you don't build stamina with killing off your weak muscles, we won't endure in the kingdom of heaven unless we kill off all that entangles us. But we can't do it alone. So I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back up if they can. And I would like to go back into any of the songs we sang in worship today because they were all about this message and what God has called us to persevere in. And I want to call you all to join me because I can't persevere and endure alone. I'm not called to persevere and endure alone. But we're all called to approach The kingdom of heaven, to lift our gaze to Jesus and to say, we are going to endure together.